friends. Welcome back to another episode of Be Here for a While. As always, I want to thank you so much for um, listening to my podcast and uh, rating it five stars and leaving nice comments on um, on iTunes. It really means a lot to me and really helps to keep it going. And also, if you uh, if you ever want to shoot me an email with a thought or, you know, sometimes people ask me for advice. Why, I don't know. I don't really know that uh, I'm the best person to give advice, but hell, send me an email and I'll try. Uh, send it to info at rachelobriancomedy.com. That's info at rachelobriancomedy.com. So I'm going to podcast solo today. I um, I didn't book a guest. Well, I'm going to, I'm actually podcasting tomorrow with um, Chris Medina. Um, he's a, he's a psychic. and I've never had a psychic reading before. And I guess I'm probably going to do it for the first time on my podcast, which is pretty crazy. So we'll see what he says. I, Hopefully, it's not terrifying. I don't think it will be, but I purposely have avoided doing those kinds of things because I don't want to know anything bad. I prefer to live thinking everything's going to be awesome all the time. It's one of my greatest skills is being able to convince myself that everything is fine all the time. Um, or I just like, I don't know. I'm lying to myself. Whatever. So, podcasting solo because I don't have a guest. And... um. But I had a really great weekend. I can recap that. I um, I went to the most epic concert ever. Uh, actually, was it? No. Yep. It was more epic than uh, Desert Trip, which I went to last year, which was the classic rock festival, which people called Old Cella um, in, uh, at the Polo Grounds where they have Coachella. But this was uh, a two-day festival at Dodger Stadium with some of my favorite bands, most of which I have seen, a few I had not. Um, so the first day it was, uh, Doobie Brothers opened. They were incredible. I've seen them before. And then it was Steely Dan, which I like Steely Dan, but sometimes I'm like relax on the instrumentals. Like I don't need a, a, you know, a trumpet solo or a trombone solo for that long. Um, but I like them. They're fine. And then the Eagles headline, the Eagles were, well, well, Doobie Brothers were incredible. Steely Dan was fine. Eagles were incredible too. And, uh, they did this tribute to Glenn Fry, which was the, um, one of the founding members of the Eagles who died last year, and it was their first time performing without Glenn. And so they had uh, Glenn Fry's son sing a lot of uh, Glenn's parts uh, on the songs, which were which was really, really cool to see. And his son sounded great. And, um, and then for a couple other songs, they brought Vince Gill out, which I don't know if you guys remember him. He was a big country singer, like, I don't know, when I was little, my mom used to listen to him, but I really liked him. I, I, I remember his music, so I was like, oh, my God, Vince. Like, I hadn't even heard his name in probably 20 years. Um, and so he came out, and he sounded incredible, and he sang a lot of Glenn Fry's parts, too. And then they had, then Bob Seger came out and sang Heartache Tonight. So it was just all these awesome drop-ins. Like, I'm obsessed with Bob Seger, too, so it was the greatest thing ever. And then the second day was, uh, sorry, I can't get the, oh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. And then Journey, and then Fleetwood Mac, which Fleetwood Mac is obviously probably my favorite band of all time. Uh, Kristen and I followed them on tour for like a year, like psychos. Um, <laughs> no, actually, because we got like, the story is Kristen and I went to a concert, and a Fleetwood Mac concert. And the manager, was it the, ma- yeah, the manager or the band photographer who was also kind of acting as like a manager sort of for them? Pulled us to the front and and had a stand in front of uh, Lindsey Buckingham because Lindsey Buckingham likes to perform in front of Young Energy, supposedly probably young girls, whatever. I'll take it. Um, and so uh, you know the people that can afford the like three thousand dollars seats right in the front are typically older because this is an older band and they're not like standing up and jumping and getting excited. And so 
he pulled us to the front so they could have like young energy in the front. And after the concert was over, he was like, you guys did a great job. You're my A team. Come back to the next one. So we went to the next concert um, at the forum. I think there was two in a row or maybe we went to San Diego afterwards. I don't remember. But basically he was like, anytime you want to go to any concert, you can come for free. You just have to get excited like and just stand in the front and have high energy the whole time. I'm like, so you're telling me that I get to go see my favorite band for free and my only requirement is to be excited? Like, there's nothing better than that. I might as well just die. So, yeah. So, I've seen Fleetwood Mac a million times, and they were incredible. They were incredible uh, on Sunday. I was really surprised, though, that they didn't have, like, a drop-in. Like, I don't know why I had it in my head that maybe Tom Petty would drop in because Stevie likes to sing with him a lot. And so, it's bad when you build stuff up. Uh, They say something like expectation is, like, the killer of happiness. So, I was, like, a little disappointed just because I was expecting some sort of drop-in. But... There wasn't, but it's okay. Fleetwood Mac was great anyways. I remember at Desert Trip, um, (laughs) there was, okay, so in any other universe, people would be excited to see Rihanna, but the crowd that was at Desert Trip is like, you know, they're older. They don't care who she is. They don't even know who she is. And Paul McCartney has this song with Rihanna, and so his drop-in at Desert Trip last year was Rihanna, and and people could not have cared less. Like, they were like, well, most people didn't even know who she was. I mean, she barely got an applause when she came out on the stage. It was so weird and kind of funny. I mean, I felt bad for her, but I just, I think it's maybe just they didn't, the crowd just didn't know who she was. It's not their, it's not their thing. It's not their era. It's not my, I mean, Rihanna's my era. I mean, the, the era of these bands is not mine either, so I don't know why. Well, I do know why I'm obsessed with it. So I also went with, I went with my dad. I went with Kristen and Carter, um, Kristen Doty from Vanderpump Rules and her boyfriend Carter. And uh, and then also my dad, he flew in, which was so exciting because anytime I get to spend time with my dad is uh, like the most treasured thing for me. Um, because uh, when I was little, I, I mean, we all, I almost lost him, and so for me, like as an adult, so it's really weird. When I was little, I handled it so so well, but for some reason, as an adult, it's like hit me that like something really scary happened uh, and really sad, and like I don't know, I'm like. I'm like a child about it now, which is really, really strange. I guess I could tell the story. I've told it before because my listeners have never heard the story because I've never told it on my podcast. I told it on a podcast recently, though, called um, uh, The Story Worthy Podcast, where you tell a, a story about your life. It's a great podcast. Check it out. Also on Wondery. Um, Christine is awesome. Um, so so this is, yeah. So this is why, well, I mean, I'm obsessed with my dad anyways because he's the, one of the greatest, sweetest men in the whole world. And he's, you know, one tough SOB, too. Um he always says, you can't kill me. I'm too mean. So every time I get like sad, like, oh, that was like, I'll get, I'll get to it. So um, when when I was probably like um, 11 or 12, maybe 12. Yeah. My dad, my dad started to get really sick. Um, and but but we didn't know what it was. So it was just sort of you know, he was, he was getting like night sweats and, um, his hands started to sort of curl up and, and he was losing like, like, um, like muscle and losing a lot of weight. And his hands were you know, like the fatty part of your hand in between like your, your pointer finger and your thumb. Like he'd lost like that whole area just sort of like deteriorated. And so we brought him to a doctor and I think the first doctor said it was like probably like carpal tunnel or something because he ran a saw for a lot of his life. My dad owns a, a logging company and I don't, you know, all you Sierra Club people, please don't send me hate mail. You live in a home made of wood, so relax. Um, but he ran a saw for many years, which can be like really tough on your hands and you can get like carpal tunnel from that. So they were sort of just dismissed it as that. And 
I don't know, maybe just thought like he was run down. That's why he was losing weight and getting night sweats and stuff. But then he 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 really, really uh, rapidly started declining uh, to the point where he couldn't he couldn't walk anymore. Um, he, my, my mom would basically like lay in bed at night and like listen to him to breathe, make sure he, he wasn't dying. Um, I mean, we, and we were going to more doctors at that point, but just, you know, like the, the, there was just a really, really scary rapid decline. And so we, we brought him to, um, the Mayo Clinic. I went the first time me and my sister went with my parents and, uh, they couldn't figure out what it was. And the Mayo Clinic, if you don't know, is like the best hospital in the world, pretty much or the best hospital in America, I guess, or it's known to be. And I couldn't figure out what it was. And then um, uh, I know I get this, like, I get the hospital wrong that, that misdiagnosed him, but whatever. It, it was either it was either OHSU or, no, the Mayo Clinic misdiagnosed him, I'm pretty sure. So the second time um, they go back to the Mayo Clinic, my sister and I don't go. Um, my mom and dad go. Still can't figure it out. Still can't figure it out. And then, sorry, I'm blanking on the part of the story. So they still can't figure it out. And the third time that they go, um, they uh, they tell my dad that he um, that he has uh, ALS, which is Lou Gehrig's disease, and that he uh, likely only has like six months to live, and that they needed because because. You know, I mean, some people with Lou Gehrig's disease or ALS can can live a while, but it's you know it's not a, a disease with a great prognosis. But he had he had declined so rapidly. They told uh, they told my dad, and my mom, that he would probably be uh, dead in six months. Now, my parents, who um, are both just so tough and so protective of me and my sister, uh, did not tell us that because my mom also didn't believe that that's what it was. Um, she kind of has a a similar mentality that I do, which is like not choosing to believe bad things. So she was just sort of, and she just was also like, my husband's not dying. Like, like hell no. And so she refused to believe that that's what it was. She was like, nope, not happening. He doesn't have that. I don't believe it. And he's not dying. The doctors were like, yeah, that's, that's what it is. And so they come home, they don't tell us. And so my sister and I just are like, like our dad looks dead basically. Um, but they're not, no one's telling us what it is, you know, like even at 12, I was like pretty sure carpal tunnel doesn't do that. Um, and, uh, and so they just, they just kept, they just kept, uh, going to different hospitals and stuff, but he just kept getting worse and worse. And, uh, he would also get really, really cold, um, and his nerves would ache and, and he didn't, he didn't want to crank the heat up in the house for, to, to, so it wouldn't like bother me and my mom and my sister. And, um, on our at our house we also he also has this like shop on the property and like this sort of like man cave thing with like a sauna and like a wood stove and and uh whatever so he would go out there and he would make a wood burning fire and just sit out there so so he could he could stay warm and um I mean I would say like this is like definitely the most and sorry for this this is like a sad podcast I promise it's not because it's a it's a good story at the end um this is probably like like the moment that like of my life that like maybe defines me as a person. Um, maybe that's why I'm kind of tough. But uh, so I went out to to go just like check on my dad and just hang out with him because he was out there, and um, and uh, he just wasn't. He must have been having a bad day. He just he like wasn't looking good, wasn't feeling good, and 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 obviously he knew. I mean, this is before they they this is before they realized it was a misdiagnosis. So he's not telling 
they're not telling us that he's dying, but he thinks in his head he's obviously dying. And so he, we, I go out there and I'm just talking to him and, and, uh, and I was like, what's, you know, like what's, what's going to happen with you? And, um, and, uh, and he said, you know, um, basically like, like alluding to the fact that he didn't have much time left and, uh, that, that, um, that, uh, that he, um, when if if he, if he was to go, that he, we had this cemetery near our house, uh, maybe a quarter mile away or closer, and he said that uh, he wanted to be buried there so he could um, drop in and and, um, and visit and check on me and my mom and my sister from time to time. And it was really weird because at like twelve years old, I was like I I some somehow processed it and didn't start crying. Um, cry, it makes me cry to think about it now, but, and I was like, okay, all right, like, that makes sense. Um, and then we just had a really normal conversation about, like, what we would do after he died or, or when he died, and I, I was telling him that, um, uh, at his funeral, I wanted someone to sing Danny Boy, it's an Irish song, my dad's Irish, and, uh, and then I wanted the old Irish blessing, um, written on his, his tombstone that's like, may the road rise to meet you, um, May the road rest to meet you. May the wind always be at your back. And until we may to get meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. Um, Yeah, at 12 years old, I just kind of like had that conversation. And then obviously when I went to bed at night, I got on my knees next to my bed and prayed for God not to take my dad away. But I mean, I was really, I just, maybe sometimes kids have like a weird, they're, they're tougher than adults sometimes. And I think I was tougher as a kid than I am as an adult. Um, and that, but also that, 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 that experience made me tough. Well, um, then like, just like not too much long later, um, they found out they went to, uh, well, they got referred to a doctor at OHSU, um, from the Mayo Clinic actually. And so they go to this doctor and they do, the doctor knew right away what the test was that my dad needed. And just, just by looking at him, he knew, and he had an idea of what it was and he didn't think it was ALS. And so... They they give this test, and the doctor comes back, and he's like, uh, he's like, I have uh, some good news and some bad news for you. He's like, the good news is, you don't have Lou Gehrig's disease, or ALS. The bad news is, you have stage four cancer. <laughs> but my parents, but at that point, my parents just start like high fiving. They're like, oh my god, like, like at least like there's something you can do, and. Um, and the doctor, yeah, it said, you know, it's 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 treatable because it's he has a very rare form of cancer called Waldenstrom's disease um, that most men get in their like 60s and 70s, and and it, the the um, prognosis is that the word, or I don't know, whatever. The it, it's not as like the the rate of survival is not as high, but he was just in his like late 30s, um, early 40s, and. Uh, and so he, he he was had a much better chance, and so they knew the right chemo to give him, and then they were doing this plasmapheresis stuff. And they were doing this other stuff where they, like, drain his blood, or maybe that's plasmapheresis. I don't know. It was all sort of running together. And um, it's however many years later, and he's uh, he's still alive. I mean, he still has cancer. He's, like, one of the only people I know that just is, like, chilling with cancer. Like, he'll never go into remission. He gets chemo, like, twice a year. But, like, I mean, he's fine, and I'm lucky to have him as long as I have. 
So I, you know, the point of that story is, you know, this weekend meant so much to me because, uh, you know, any moment I can spend with my dad, especially doing something that we both love, like going to classic rock concerts because we both love classic rock. I probably love classic rock because it makes me think of him. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was, it was just so great. And we just, we, we ate, we ate a lot of good meals. We would, we went to this place called Water Grill downtown before, uh, the, before the concert each day and just had a bunch of seafood and steaks and, and went to class. It was just, it was just awesome. It was just everything, you know, I just really cherish those moments because, you know, you never know. And, uh, he's, he's, so, he, my dad's such a cool guy. My dad also, I mean, I, like knock on wood, you shouldn't say this stuff, but like, I swear he has like nine lives. I mean, he's been in like so many major car accidents. Like when he was younger, he like flipped his Jeep and just like a few years ago had a tire blowout. And if you've ever been to Oregon, that's where I'm from. It's like, the roads are like small and windy and there's a lot of, and I'm from like a very rural, rural, rural area. And so like it, like the drive from like Portland, which is the nearest city to my town is like kind of, you know, like a unsafe highway. And there's a lot of like cliffs and stuff on each side. And it's just a, like, it's just a, you know, picture it. I'm sure you've seen photos or video if you're not from there. Um, and my dad had a tire blowout. This is just a couple of years ago and hits the guardrail and flips off, uh, like basically like a cliff thingy and his truck bounces and flips like several different times. He walked out of it. Like, I mean, he had like a small cut on his head, but he basically walked out of it. And there was like, I guess when he got out of the car, like people were, he heard people screaming and he was like, he basically to them was like, relax, I'm fine. <laughs> Stop screaming. And he like just got out of the truck, like walked to the street, called a friend that he knew that lived near there. And the guy like drove him home. It was just like, that's just a typical day for Mike O'Brien. Anyways, he's a cool-ass dude, and I love him a lot, and I had a great weekend with him. So there's that. But now we'll get to, like, some lighter stuff. It's still light. It's fine. You know what I mean? We're in competition with other podcasts to see who can get more completed responses to our audience survey. And you want Be Here for a While to win, don't you? So please help us out by going to wondery.com backslash survey. It only takes five minutes, and you can do it from your phone. It's wonder, the letter Y, dot com slash survey. Thank you so much. So my so I, I posted on uh, Instagram today that I was doing a solo podcast, and I wanted um, y'all to send me some questions so that I could answer them. And so I will read some of the questions you guys gave me. Um, one of them was how like the SNL process was because I was posting all over Instagram that I was doing uh, an SNL um, audition tape, like a, like a character tape to be on it as a cast member, and then also I did a writing packet for it. Um, and someone wants to know the process. Well, the process was it gave me severe anxiety for weeks, and I like couldn't bring myself to do it. I, I have never had that type of anxiety over anything, anything in the acting world, the comedy world. I mean, I guess that's still technically acting and comedy, but I've never felt that way before. I was like paralyzed with it. I would just like wake up and be like, I should do that, and like, no, I can't. Oh, I just couldn't. I don't know why. I just couldn't wrap my head around it or I, I don't know I maybe I just thought I didn't have good enough ideas or or maybe it's because like it was my dream to be on SNL when I was a little kid I that's what's crazy is I became a stand-up comic but the when I was little my vision of what comedy was was Saturday Night Live and that's um I mean that's all I would that's all I would watch me and my friend Sabrina would watch it like religiously we were obsessed with it I could I could uh, recite every Spartan cheerleader cheer which was if you guys haven't seen that there's some young listeners. Go look up Will Ferrell and Cheryl Terry doing Spartan Cheers on YouTube. 
It's incredible. And so, like, maybe that's what it was. Maybe it's because it was uh, I was so obsessed with it that that I just didn't want to, you know, screw it up because it was like my dream to be on there. Maybe that's it. I don't know. But I acted like a psycho, and I could not bring myself to do it. And I finally. So, okay, so I got the assignment for the writing packet. I looked at my email and my manager sent it to me on May 11th. And they were like, you have plenty of time. It's not due till July 16th. Guess what day I started writing the, the writing packet? July 14th at about 9 p.m. And then my friend, um, my friend Zach came over and he needed me to film this like audition tape for him. But he was doing this, trying to get on this like dating show on MTV or something. And so I was like, Anything I could do to procrastinate, I was like, gladly, let's make this for three hours for you. Like, I like I just was procrastinating. So the night before, oh, I'm sorry. Actually, it was due on July 15th. So it was due the next day. Yeah. So the, on the 14th, I don't even start. I mean, I, I started working on it. I would thought about it all day. <laughs> I sat at my computer a lot. I made a lot of Instagram videos about it. I intended to do it. Um, I made lists of ideas but did not actually, like, type anything out. I mean, I typed a few words out. Because, I, no, and that's not even fair. I typed a little bit out because I had already basically written that sketch when I was at Second City, so it didn't even really count. Um, and so by July 14th at around, I don't know, 11 p.m., still nothing, and I was like, God, I'm tired. I should probably, I should probably hit the hay. <laughs> Just procrastinating more. And so then I woke up in the morning on July 15th, and was like, I can't do it. You know what, Rachel? I was just like, I was like, was saying to myself, I was like, there's just some things that you're not meant to do, you know? And that's never me. I mean, I'm like, I can do anything. I will do anything. I will put my mind to it. It doesn't matter. I don't even care. Like, I don't care what I have to do. But for a brief second that morning, while I was still procrastinating, I just start cleaning my apartment. I cleaned it the night before, the day before when I was procrastinating. I'm just starting doing weird shit just so I... And I was like, yeah, you know, maybe I'm just, I was too busy. To, all those, the two months that I knew about, I was just too busy to sit down and do it. You know, Rachel, sometimes people just, it's not meant to be. They don't have time for things. Just trying to convince myself it was okay. And then I took a shower and I was like, you know what? Fuck that, Rachel. Like, what are you doing? Like, why would you not at least try? And so I sat down for four hours and forced myself to knock it out. And I did. I finished my writing packet. I guess I didn't tell you about the, uh, the, the, the character reel yet. But I finished my writing packet. Um, I think it's okay. I wrote, I think, five sketches. They said it, you could be, it was like supposed to be three. To, no, maybe I wrote four. I don't know. It was supposed to be three to five. And um, one was supposed to be, um, actually, maybe I'm not supposed to say what it is because I think I had to sign something. I don't know. So I won't say what the types are. But, yeah, I did it. I don't know how great it is, but I'm proud of myself that I did it. And then for the character reel, that I had for probably three weeks, like the assignment to do it before I did it. And then I weighed, I, I decided to drive to Palm Springs to see my mom and my nephew because they were there. Um, and just like vacation for another day. And then while I was there, I just like, I forced myself to do it. Like I locked myself in my mom's room and just, I mean probably wasn't like the best quality because it was just against a white wall, but hopefully the lighting was good. Um, I just forced myself to do it. Like got costumes together, went into my mom's closet. I actually came up with one of my character ideas, just looking in my mom's closet. She's got a lot of these like jazzy flowy dresses. And I was like, that looks like something a cult leader would wear. And I will not tell you the rest of it, but it involves a cult leader. Um, 
and just force myself to do it. And uh, yeah, I accomplished both of them, so I'm really happy about it. Let's let's see if uh, see if old Lorne Michaels gives me a call. I wonder if he's already started calling people. I don't know. No one tell me that. Like, if you already know, like, if you know someone that got a call back, don't, like, email me and be like, you probably didn't get it. Someone already know got a call back. I don't need to have my feelings hurt, people. Um, yeah, so that, w- that was cool. What did someone, else, someone else said something about SNL, and I don't remember what it is. I don't think I wrote it down. Uh, okay, another question y'all asked was um, my style and where I shop. Uh, like, like, I guess what type of style I would say I have. I would, well, I have, like, two different styles. I have, like, what I wear on stage as a comedian, which is lesbian truck driver. And um, in my daily life, um, I'd like to dress up. Um, but you can't really dress up when you're on stage. I feel like it's too distracting. So I usually wear, like, a band T-shirt and jeans, or I'll wear, like, a big... Like, if I am wearing, like, a di- like a more of, like, a girly shirt, I'll just, like, wear a coat over it and, like, zip it up. Um, so needless to say, my stand-up photos, when someone takes them of me when I'm on stage, never look cute. I always look really unattractive. But... Hey, for the love of comedy, I really don't care. Um, and then, like, like during the day, I don't know. I wear, I, I would say I have, like, um, like I don't know, sort of, like, boho style. But I believe in, like, having, like, nice purses and shoes. But I, like, shop at Forever 21 for, like, my clothes for half of it. I mean, okay, some of it. Um, I've always liked nice things. Who, who am I kidding? But I do like Forever 21 a lot. And I think their clothes fit well. Okay, hopefully this isn't boring, guys, for, like, anyone that doesn't care about this. Um, the next question someone asked is, um, weird that I just took a sip of that, what my favorite cocktail is. Um, I'm, right now I'm drinking um, a vodka and club soda with a splash of, like, those flavored water thingies. That's not my favorite cocktail. My favorite cocktail is definitely probably a dirty martini with blue cheese stuffed ol- olives. So kettle dirty, blue cheese stuffed olives, nothing better. That's like a meal. Actually, it's not. Who am I kidding? I eat a lot. But, like, I feel like it's, like, a meal for, like, Upper East Side New York ladies. They just are, like, they they get full on their blue cheese stuffed olives. They're, like, I'm stuffed. Couldn't possibly eat anymore. And then they just get drunk really easily. I eat, I have my blue cheese stuffed olives in my martini with, like, a ribeye. So, I guess that's, I guess that's where these shoulders come from. These are ribeye shoulders. Um, <laughs> ribeye, ribeye uh, calves. Um, that's my favorite cocktail. I also like um, like really spicy and really bitter margaritas, and I also order vodka soda a lot because I'm lame. And but you know when you're having a few of them, it's, I guess it's like the cleanest thing you can drink. And someone asked what health and beauty tips are. Uh, health. Um, I sleep a lot. I think like all right. I try to always get like a good night's sleep at night. Uh, that's I guess that's a beauty tip too. And like, but I don't really work out that often. And I mean, when I do, I do like bar workouts or I do like jumping jacks with like little tiny weights in my apartment. I used to do that a lot more. I've like, I've like tried to do it lately and then I'm just like, mm, I'm all set. Uh, maybe it's just cause I've been busy. Who knows? But yeah, I wouldn't say I'm not like a crazy gym rat. I'm not going to like CrossFit. I don't even actually have a gym membership. Um, but I walk around a lot. I walk around my neighborhood a lot. There's like, there's weeks where I don't drive my car. Like I, if I'm, I like I'll usually Uber somewhere at night and during the day I usually like run there, like run my errands, like by walking and stuff. Um, and it did it up, up, uh, what else did you guys want to, oh, and by the way, I was just, um, on my Instagram story, I was talking about, um, like, like all these 90s stars, like, what are they up to? Like, no one's seen them in a while. And everyone informed me, apparently they're all on TV shows right now. Apparently Nev Campbell's still killing it. So is Matthew Lillard. So I'm wrong. Maybe that's because I never turned on my TV. 
Uh, that's another thing. Like I just said, I don't, don't drive my car for weeks. I sometimes don't turn on my TV for weeks. I don't know what I do with my time. I guess I listen to music and like work on stuff. I mean, I'm always working on my podcast or like writing or something. Or I'm just out. I really don't know. I could not tell you what I do with my time. I, I don't know the last time I watched a TV show. I mean, I guess I watched all of Big Little Lies and all of... What is that show? The sad one. This is us. And there's one more. And I watched the OA. So those are the three shows I've watched in the last year. But three shows is not a lot. And I wouldn't even know what to do. So I think it gives me anxiety. Like I don't think I know what to watch on TV, so I just don't turn it on. Because every time I do, I just like scroll through. And I'm like, I don't know what these shows are. I feel stupid. I feel like my TV is judging me. It thinks I have bad taste in, in TV. I don't know. I'm just a, a weird human. Maybe it's because when I was dating my last boyfriend, like, he just always sort of, like, was it controlling the TV, and that was fine with me. And so now I'm just like, I don't know what to do. Could be worse. <laughs> That's my baggage. That's my emotional baggage from my relationships. Um, uh, what else did someone ask? Uh, let's see. How I got into comedy, how I work out bits, creative process. I mean, I kind of just explained with the, on the day in the life. I sort of just explained all of that. Uh, I got into comedy because I went to... Um, uh, I moved out here to be, like, just an actor. And I really did not like waiting for... I didn't like waiting for people to to tell me yes. Like, I didn't like having, like, my destiny in, in, in someone else's hands. Because when you're trying to be an actor, you can't just go act. You either have to have an audition or you have to have booked something. It's not something you can just go do. And usually you need other people involved. But with comedy, even if I don't have a booked show... I can go to an open mic any night of the week. I can do comedy. I can work on comedy anytime I want. I can be writing out new bits. I can be creating stuff. I mean, I can just even be creating like Instagram stories and stuff. I can do comedy anytime I want. And I think that maybe that's like what, like one of my favorite things about it is I like that I can, and I just love it. But that's how I got into it is I, I didn't like waiting for people to tell me yes for acting. And so I went to grad school at um, UCLA for screenwriting. And I learned really quickly that I liked to write uh, comedic pilots. And I was like, okay, like, how would I work out, like, bits and stuff that I want to try to write? And I was like, oh, like, stand-up comedy. I should try that. And then I did it once, and it got under my skin. And I was like, I have to do this for the rest of my life. I love it so much. I'm addicted to it. It feels a little bit like a drug. Like, if you really, really love comedy, I would never recommend that anyone get into it if they're iffy about it. Like, if you do stand-up and you're like, all right, cool, like, that was awesome. Like, yeah, maybe I'll do it again. Maybe I won't. Or I liked it. You're probably not meant to be a comedian, but if you got on stage and you were like, I have to do this for the rest of my life and I feel weird when I'm not doing it, then you're meant to be a comedian and you should keep doing it. Otherwise, it's a pretty hard business. And so, uh, you, you know, you, if you don't love it, it's not really worth it. I've heard people, I've heard, God, I heard someone say that on Barry Katz's podcast, a really big comic. Barry was asking, it's a great podcast too, you should listen to it. Barry was asking, um, um, one of the one of the one of his guests on there, like, what's your what would be your advice for someone that wants to get into comedy? And the person was like, don't do it. Just don't do it. Because if you don't like it's too hard, you really got to love it. And if you don't love it enough, don't do it, um, which I think is actually pretty good advice. I mean, I think everyone should try whatever they want, but you really, really have to love it. I think that's with anything in the entertainment industry. I mean, it, it's just too hard to make it. So if you don't love it, then it's just not worth it, especially when you're having to, you know, hearing the word no and the rejection and all that would just be too painful if you didn't love it. But, you know, the people that do love it are able to keep on trucking because 
the end goal like means so much more to them than those than those bad moments. Or you could also just be delusional like me and like let bad moments roll off your back pretty quickly. Where I'm like, someone can tell me no, and I'd be like, well, they had probably had bad taste. So that's well, not you know what? That's not my problem. That's their cross to bear. That's their cross to bear that they weren't seeing how great this is. So <laughs> maybe maybe that's how I do it. Um, but yeah, that's how I guess that's how I got into stand up um, creative process. Uh, well, I just I, I uh, like with the SNL thing, I basically just kill myself and give myself anxiety until I just finally force myself to do it. So my creative process is, I'm sure, much like most people's. Sitting down to write is just hard. Like, it's just hard to force yourself to do it. That's why writers and comedians, we're all just crazy and weird. And I don't know. And how I work out bits. Uh, podcasting helps, certainly. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would say that that helps. And then getting on stage and doing... Yeah, so I'm okay. I'm sorry, I'm just like reading these questions off. I hope this is not annoying. Um, there are more. I think you guys wrote a bunch more, but I put my charge. I'm charging my phone in my room so I wouldn't be distracted by it. So I guess I'm just gonna keep talking about other shit. Um, I already recapped my birthday with Saucy. That was super fun. I'm over talking about my birthday now. Not like a huge birthday person. I mean, I think I posted like a lot about it on social media. Like it's my birthday weekend, but I just wanted like attention. Um, <laughs> if I'm really honest. Because uh, it's my first time, it's like my first year being single and um, on my birthday. I mean, in a while. Actually, my God. Like seven years. Because when Robbie and I broke up, it was like the winter. And then by the summer, I had already met John. So, yeah. So, my single time was in the spring. Like, the few months in the spring. So, I haven't been single on my birthday in like seven years. So, maybe I was just like, I don't know. It was fun, though. It's like, being single is fun. It's just like, you just don't have anyone else to worry about. I mean, it can be lonely. And that's, that's like the only thing that, that's part, some, something that like always kind of like, the only like thing that bothers me about being single, and this will, this links back into the thing with my dad, is that I, I get a little sad when I think like, I will be like, what if I'm alone and something bad happens? I, uh, like, what if, you know, something happened to my dad or whatever and someone has to call me and tell me about it and I'm just alone in my apartment like no one's there to comfort me or help me that makes me really sad because I'm like what am I gonna do just throw myself on the ground and just like I that that for that's like the only thought I don't like about being single otherwise I don't I don't mind it it's it's uh it's kind of fun um but yeah and so my birth my birthday was fun um another thing about being like I so I went to um I went to Europe recently Am I breathing heavy, by the way? It's because I had to turn off the air conditioning, and it's so hot in here. And now, yeah, and now I'm breathing like a truck driver. <sighs> Sorry, guys. Okay, I'm just take a sip of water. Actually. So, when I went to Europe recently, I was it was like the last day there, and it was so weird because normally, like, you would think someone would be sad when they were leaving, like, such a fun experience um, that they were, like, you know, because um, some of my friends that I was with, like, they had significant others. So they were they were missing their significant others and excited to go home. And you would think that, like, I would have been sad that I, like, oh, like, I have to leave this cool experience and I don't have, a, like, a boyfriend or a husband to go home to. I had a totally different, like, feeling about it. I was like, 
shit, I just feel happy. Like it was such a cool experience. I had no one to worry about the whole time. No one that I had to like text and check in with and wonder what they were doing and make sure they felt like I missed them even though I was on this fun trip. And I, and I did not feel at all. Like I was like, I get to go home and just like keep doing fun shit. Like it was such a weird experience. Like I, I did not, I don't know. I did not feel, I just didn't, I don't know. I'm sure eventually like, you know, it's all fun and games now. I'm sure eventually like I'll be over this whole thing, but I really don't mind it. Really don't mind it at all. People are weird though. I would say that's the only thing I can think about with dating. That's like, like, I just want to be like, like, I don't know. It's just like, I'm like, what are you doing? Like what, like the weird things people do. And I'm sure I do weird things to people too, where like some, something that someone does like, you know, to me, I'm taking it as like, that was a strange thing to do. Like, or like insensitive or whatever. And I'm sure I do it to them and I don't realize it, but that's like, just kind of like, huh? Like what a strange move. But I was talking about actually, so I just, you guys got to listen to these girls podcast. I, I just did one with, um, uh, gosh, it's called, uh, ask women. And, um, and we were talking about, uh, dating stuff and we were like really trying to analyze it, uh, uh like from both sides where, so sometimes like, you know, you'll be texting with, with someone, uh, that maybe you've gone out with like once or maybe like you just like matched on, match with on a dating app and you're just spending all this time texting, but like not making a plan. Right. And I'm like, oh, see, that's just annoying to me. I'm just like, I like, I don't need to know what you did today. You know, like either we're going to eventually meet up, have a drink, see if we like each other or it's not happening. Like, I don't need to know, like, because when, especially when they're strangers, once you start dating someone, like, yeah, it's really nice to like get texts and check in with them and stuff. But like when you haven't met them yet and they're just like updating you, like on what they're doing, like you had sushi for lunch today. I'm like, I don't care, buddy. Like, I'll care once I've met you, but, and so we were talking about how like that sort of like text exchange can go on for a while and then there's no, there's no meetup. And we were just trying to analyze it. We're like, well, I guess there's like somewhat two sides to it. Like it could be totally be that like, you know, the guy's not interested or, or the girl's not, but like guys have a lot to like worry about too, in the sense of, you know, they may, maybe they want to make sure it's worthwhile to spend the money and the time to go meet up with the girl. Because as a guy, you know, I've had friends that have told me that they've spent thousands of dollars in a month on being single, just like taking girls out and stuff like, and, and half the time, like girls expect it and they don't appreciate it. And like, that's got to like leave a bad taste in your mouth if you're a dude. And I could see like, it, it's just complicated for both sides. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of assholes out there. I mean, there's a lot of asshole girls, but I think that most people just go into dating with like their own, their own baggage, their own like preconceived notions and and it's really hard to to just drop that and just try to just like go with the flow and and be normal. Um, I try to. I think I'm a good time. But no, it's 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 hard for people because uh, you know everyone everyone has a different way they were raised. Everyone has a different like were your parents together? Were they divorced? Were you know uh, you know how, how how do you feel about relationships in that way? Like did like you know like did you hate your dad and so now you hate men? Like you know all the stuff that that people bring into it and then then all the stuff that comes like later in life like then they're with their dating experiences like oh were you cheated on were you um you know was was what did someone put you down all the time so like you're going to be so much more sensitive to every little thing based on those experiences 
And I think it's, it's really, you know, it's good to like bring your life experience into things, but I think it's best just to try to, at least like in the early stages of, of meeting someone, just try to like drop your bullshit and just like get to know that person without all of your preconceived stuff. God, should I be like a dating advice coach? Look at me. Just like Dr. Phil over here. What was that lady, the old lady that gave like sex advice in the newspaper? Or am I making that up? Is that not a thing? I don't know. I could be wrong. I was wrong about Nev Campbell and Matthew Lillard earlier. So apparently they're on two major TV shows. I can admit when I'm wrong. That's fine. Whatever. But yeah, I don't know. What else do I want to talk about? People have also emailed me stuff that they, oh, I forget. There was some other like dating question thing, but now I don't remember. Um, I'll do it on the next one about like something with advice, but I don't know. Maybe I should end it because it's 40 minutes. It's hotter than hell in my apartment. And I need to go to happy hour or something. No, I actually just need to keep working and writing and upload this podcast. And yeah, so, oh, okay. So this will come out, dang it, this will not come out until afterwards. But I already talked about it before, but I will podcast about how much I'm going to embarrass myself on this evening. Tomorrow evening at 10 p.m. I will be at the Hollywood Improv. I will be doing stand-up. And then I will be singing an original comedy song. And I am very nervous for it. I'm less nervous now that me and Avery, Avery's the guy that puts puts the show on. He's awesome. It's called the 88 Show at the Hollywood Improv, Avery Pearson. Um, we wrote it together last Friday. And uh, it, it actually went way better than I thought. I am going to make him sing half of it with me because I'm a little, like, weary about, like, my voice sounding good with, like, no music. Like, karaoke's fine because there's music in the background, but this is just, like, a piano and then just my voice just straight chilling by itself. So I was a little nervous about that, but Avery's going to sing a lot of it with me. But um, it's, a, it's a comedy country song, and uh, it's the story of how I broke my hand in Martha's Vineyard, and it's pretty funny. Like, there's, like, there's like not, to, not to say, like, Avery and I are so funny, we're such good writers, but there's a part in it that, like, we both have a really hard time not laughing on when we say the line. Um, I wrote it. Uh, <laughs> um but I, I know I'm really excited for it. It's like it's definitely something that's going to scare me, but I'm 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 excited for it. And I think um, I'm so I'm doing a live podcast. Uh, mark it in your calendars, people. And if you don't live in LA, drive here, buy a ticket. It'll be fun. Please come to my next live podcast. It's uh, August 22nd at uh, the Hollywood Improv as well in the lab. I think at 10 p.m. Um, I will confirm that later. But August 22nd. Uh, my second live podcast I'll be doing, and this will be this. See, listen, this will be uh, this will be an incentive for you guys to come. Avery and I are going to open it. I don't know who my guest is. Avery's um, just going to do like the opening. Like he's going to play the piano a little bit, one of his songs, and then he and I are going to do this song, this um, comedy country song, and we just wrote on my live podcast too. Um, but yeah, to open it. So. That should be an incentive to come. Come see me embarrass myself. If you can't make it to the show tomorrow, um, uh, the 19th, then come on August 22nd and see me embarrass myself live. It will be so fun. And I'll have more giveaways and gifts for you guys. I haven't really thought about what they are yet. Um, I, last time I gave away wine with my podcast label on it and then some other stuff. And I really would like... Does anyone know anyone who like, can make a wine that I somehow design... Like, the actual taste of it, and then I can put my podcast label on it. That would be really helpful. So, like, if you do know a wine person, or, like, you are the heir to Mondavi or something, like, hit me up, all right? 
because I would like to do that. All right. So good talking to you guys. I love you. Um, podcasting tomorrow with uh, Chris Medina, the psychic, and I will post that next week. 